I have one more announcement this morning. Uh, I heard it's someone's birthday, Pastor Bob's birthday today. Um, and it's also Janelle Zimmerman's birthday. Is that correct? Correct. And Becca Hoffner, she's not here. So we're going to sing happy birthday to them. And uh, I've I told by so many people, it's not my fault. <laughs> Go ahead, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> I won't, I'll get in a lot of trouble if I say speech. All right, let's stand up and worship the Lord together today. And I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his glory, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins, won the victory. Oh, misery and Jesus, my Savior forever. His cleansing power revealed How he made the lame to walk again And caused the blind to see And then I cried, dear Jesus Come and heal my broken spirit And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory Let's sing it together, victory in Jesus Oh, victory Jesus, my Savior forever, He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew Him, and all my love is to Him. He plunged me to victory Is built for me in glory, and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, my Savior forever, He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew Him, and all my love is to Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the me to victory beneath the cleansing flower. Amen. Blessed be your name, and blessed be your name in the land 
song to us at Word of Life Chapel, um, one we've never sang before, but uh, it definitely applies to the time that we're living in right now. Uh, if you watch the news at all, you, you know that this past week has been a very tough week, um, horrible week for us as a nation. Um, it really has been. Uh, it doesn't matter what political side you find yourself on. doesn't matter what color your skin is. Um, it's been a tough week, a horrible week. Um, and the question is, is how do we as Christians respond? Um, are, are we going to show the love that Jesus has shown us? And what does that look like? And I, I believe this song very, very powerfully um, demonstrates that the only way to break down walls, the only way to break chains is the love of Jesus, is the love that God has. Um, and so we're going to sing it, teach it to you this morning. And uh, we'll sing it more as uh, the weeks go on, but uh, one, two. Lord, your love fills bridges that cannot be burned. Let's start again. Sometimes you get going a little too fast. We all do. It happens to the best of us. And I counted way too fast, so. 
Your love builds bridges that cannot be burned, speaks truths that cannot be learned. It's a treasure we can never earn. It goes places we're afraid of going. It's not a fist, it's a hand wide open. Reaching out to the down and broken. We things we uh, want to pray for this morning. Let me highlight just a couple of things. Pastor Tony had mentioned uh, a few things already. Um, you see there on your sheet also Wyatt Coleman. Um, this is the little boy that was born uh, last week. Um, he needs to gain some weight before he comes home. Miranda did come home and um, we need to pray for this little guy that uh, he'll gain enough weight. They do think that he could come home this week. Uh, so do pray that he gets uh, enough weight to be able to do that. We learned also that uh, on uh, Friday evening, uh, Kim Berry, we've been praying for her, uh, she had passed away. Uh, so we knew, do need to pray for the family. Uh, I understand that just recently she uh, did come to know the Lord, so uh, there is hope in that, and that she's uh, with her Lord now. Uh, so please keep the uh, Berry family in prayer. I believe she has two little twin boys, and uh, so we do need to pray uh, for that. Father, we come before your throne this morning, and we are thankful. Thankful, Lord, that we can do so. Thankful, Father, that we can come to you at any time, in any place. 
Father, we're thankful for the great salvation which you have provided for us. Father, a salvation which has been given free by your grace. A salvation, Lord, that brings us into the very family of God. And we are thankful that, Lord, those who have trusted Jesus are in that family and have been given eternal life. Lord, that's the great hope that lies ahead of believers. That's the hope that we have when a loved one dies. And so, Father, as we anticipate the memorial service on Friday for Gene Miller, as, Father, there will certainly be a service for Kim Berry, uh, Father, we thank you that to be absent from this body is to be in your very presence. And I pray that that message might be heard loudly and clearly, because, Lord, this is what we hold on to. This is what brings comfort and peace in difficult times. Father, we think of uh, the two children, uh, two little, uh, this little boy, um, Wyatt, who has come into the world, and, and Ellie uh, has also come into this world this week. Father, we are thankful for these two children and pray, uh, Lord, that you would give good health. Uh, we pray for the parents, Lord. We pray that they might raise these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, Father, that they would grow to, uh, first of all, trust you and uh, love you with all their heart and soul and mind. And, Father, so we're thankful uh, Lord, for these two children, and uh, we do ask, uh, Lord, that you would just keep them healthy and strong. Father, we pray also for the church. Uh, we are thankful, Lord, for the ministries that we're able to offer. We think of Bible school uh, that's coming up very quickly. And we know that, Father, many children will be here. Uh, they will come. They will be excited. They will laugh. They will play. But, Father, I pray that you might prepare their hearts. Lord, only you know their hearts. Only you know where they stand in relationship to Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, that you might help them to be sensitive uh, to the messages that are given, the lessons that are taught, and the name of Jesus that will be proclaimed. Father, we think of other things coming up, like Awana, that will be here very quickly. We pray that you would uh, help us this summer as we put together the staff and the leadership. Lord, all of these things we, we commit to you. Father, we are thankful this morning for the time that you've given to us. And Father, as Pastor Tony has mentioned, we, we think of our nation. Uh, we think of our country, which seems to be in turmoil. Father, things seem to be out of control. And so we pray. Father, that your hand might be placed upon us, upon the leadership of this country, or the leadership of, of our states and local governments. These, Lord, who put in place laws and, and the, in positions of authority, Lord, we've been instructed to pray for those who are over us. And Father, we bring before you this morning all of those leaders, Lord, who you have placed in positions, the Bible says, who, have, who watch over us for good. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, you might work in a wonderful way to turn us around, uh, to bring us back to yourself. Uh, we are thankful, Father, that we do worship a sovereign God, a sovereign God who we believe is still on the throne who still rules and reigns over all things. And so, Father, we commit our country to you, and we commit ourselves to you. Now, Lord, as we continue to move forward with this service, we pray that you might be honored and glorified in all that we do and say. And may Jesus Christ be exalted. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Leonard's going to come and lead us in a hymn, Onward, Christian Soldiers, hymn number 400 and 70. And since it is a marching song, I'm going to ask if it's comfortable for you that you stand with us as we sing. Onward Christian Soldiers, 470. <coughs>
Before you sit down, will you turn around and make someone welcome?
Okay, I invite you now to take your hymn book and turn with me to hymn number 459. 459, there's a royal banner given for display. <laughs> There's a royal banner given for display to the soldiers of the king. And an ensign fair we lifted up today while the mansion once we sing. Marching on, marching on, for Christ count everything but love and to crown him king. Coil and sing neath the banner of the cross. Though the foe may rage and gather as a flood, let the standard be displayed. And beneath its folds as soldiers of the Lord, for the truth be not dismayed. Marching on, marching on,
Thank you, Steve and Sarah English. I think she was on the piano, although you didn't see her. She's a, little, she's a bit invisible this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, were down in Williamsburg, and I know that uh, you're saying again, yes, again. But we went with our family, went with our children and grandchildren. It's a different week than the week that uh, my wife and I spend together. We go down, we sit on park benches and just watch, at our age, <laughs> now that you all know that I'm a year older, we just sit on park benches and watch people walk by. But when they go, it's roller coasters and water slides and water parks and it's a whole different ball game. I don't care for heights, not really at my age into speeds anymore, but my granddaughter Brinley said to me one day down there, she said, Grandpa, you can do this water slide. It's long and it's real dark, but she said, you can do it. Brinley, I, I really don't think I want to do that. Come on, Grandpa, and of course, she won. She said, do you promise? I said, I promise. So the next day, we get to the water park. And I saw the tube winding. And I thought, well, that's probably not too bad. But then I saw the steps that led up to the point where you start open stairway, had to be four or five stories high. I looked at those stairs, I said, there's no way. I might be able to come down, but I'm not going to get up. And I said to Brinley, I said, I just, I can't do this. You know how hard it is to break a promise to your granddaughter? Aren't you glad God isn't like us? That when God makes a promise, he follows through. You know, one of the great promises in the Bible that we often overlook is a promise that Paul writes about when he says that we as Christians, we are blessed with all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. We are blessed. We are a blessed people, that we are blessed with all of the spiritual blessings in Christ. And so whatever is in Christ is supposed to be working in my life. The peace of Christ. The joy of the Lord. The strength of God. But just because it's been promised doesn't always mean we possess it. God made a promise back in Joshua chapter 1. And in Joshua chapter 1, if you turn there please, God made a promise to the Israelites. God made a promise to the Israelites, but they hadn't yet possessed it. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. God comes to Joshua one day and says, I have a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And I am promising you that land. That every place you set your foot, it's yours. That's why it's called the promised land. Because God made a promise to the Israelites, this is your land. However... They didn't possess it yet. 
as a matter of fact, it's going to be a hard task for the Israelites to possess the land. You see, in the land, there's the enemy. There are Canaanites in the land. And because the enemy is in the land, Israel, in order to possess the land, has to defeat the enemy. And there will be, through the book of Joshua, battle after battle after battle after battle in order to possess the land. The promise has already been given. Joshua, this is your land. This is the promised land. But you got to fight for it. The first battle we find is the battle of Jericho. As you might have already gathered from the trumpet solo, duet. The battle of Jericho. Over in chapter 6, Israel is now ready to begin the conquest of this promised land. They're now ready to fight. And the first battle is going to be the battle of Jericho. The enemy is in the land. There are Canaanites that need to be defeated. Joshua, go. Wage war. And all that I have promised you will then be yours. So turn to Joshua chapter 6 now, and let's look at the battle of Jericho. The first thing we read in verse 1 is that Israel had a problem. Israel has a major, major problem. Verse 1 says this, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because, the Israelite, because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. I understand from archaeologists that there were actually two walls that surrounded the city of Jericho. Uh, one was an outer wall. It was about six feet thick and about 12 feet high, or 20 feet high. And then there was an inner wall, the inner wall being 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. And these two walls were separated by a 15 feet uh, walkway where armed guards would surround the city and guard the city each day. Can you imagine Joshua? And the Israelites approaching this city. And all they see is this impossible wall to overcome. All they see are stones and bricks built to protect invaders from getting in. How often do we in life have our own obstacles to overcome. Oftentimes being quite impossible. Family problems, financial issues, the loss of a loved one, sin we can't control, health issues. It's not that all of these are bigger than we are because the Bible says that God is in us that greater is he that is in you than all these things that are in the world. It's just that oftentimes our perspective gets blocked by how high our walls are. You know, I commend you this morning for coming to church. It's summer. And during the summer, we often go, like as we do, we go on vacations. But you know, it's important to come to church. It's important to attend church because I believe when you come into the walls of the sanctuary and you come to Sunday school or you come to prayer meeting or another event of the church that our perspectives change. When you come to church and you start getting around other people who are worshiping and praising God together, as we come into the presence of Almighty God, and we begin to hear about the great miracles in which God is able to perform, and how God is able in the lives of His people to overcome great obstacles. You see, if all you see 
six days out of the seven are the problems and the walls in life. You see the problems with the kids and the problems at work. If that's all you see, the obstacles become very big and our perspective is different. But when you come to church and you begin to see a great big God, a great big God who loves us and cares for us and works in and through us, it begins to elevate our perspective to at times even live above the problems and live above the circumstances. 1 John 4, 4, I just quoted that verse. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We need to understand that, that God is so much bigger than all of our problems. Joshua looks at the walls. But God also gives Israel a promise. In verse 2, the promise is this. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I've already done it. I'm giving you victory, Joshua, before the battle is even fought. You know, only God is able to speak in the past tense as if it's already been accomplished. Only God can say things like, I have delivered, when it hasn't been delivered yet. Only God is able to do that. God's just saying to Joshua, listen, Joshua, the battle's already done. I already give to you the victory. You see, Joshua, I live outside of time, and I'm not surprised by things you're surprised about. I'm not stressed out over things that stress you out. Joshua, I've got this all worked out already. I'm not limited by what you see right now. You see the walls. I see the victory. God says, Joshua, listen, I know what you see. You see that impossible wall. But Joshua, to me, it's just a wall. It's just a wall. And God gives to, to, to Joshua a promise. Joshua, I have delivered this city, this fortified city, into your hands, along with its king and all of its fighting men. Joshua, victory is sure, and victory is yours. Israel also has a partner. And of course, the partner is none other than God himself. Look at verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Strange strategy. God says to Joshua, listen, Here's how we're going to win. What you're going to do is you're going to gather together your armed men, all of the soldiers, and a group will start this parade. They will be followed by seven priests who will be blowing seven trumpets. Behind them will be the ark, and behind them will be the rear guard. And Joshua, what you need to do is this. You need to march around the city once for six days. And on the seventh day, you march around the city city seven times. Then you all shout, and the walls come tumbling down. In the middle of this parade, and we often read over this, But I believe, if I've counted correctly, eight times in this chapter, we read about the ark. The ark represents the presence of God. The ark was part of this parade. 
The ark was to go around and around, I believe, to help the people know that this is the Lord's battle. You see, God is going to fight for Israel. March six days, once, and on the seventh, seven times, shout, and the walls come down. There's a song we sing, it's a missionary hymn, it's in our hymn book, entitled, The Battle is the Lord's. The Battle is the Lord's. But what that does not mean is, is that simply because it's God's battle, we as Christians, we need to be idle or passive. You see, we're in a warfare, you know that. The Bible speaks quite often about spiritual warfare, where ordinary weapons of war just cannot be used in order to have victory. God didn't say to Joshua, you need to to have battering rams and scaling ladders. Put all those aside, Joshua. Put all of those aside. They were not to be used. Because this is not a military battle. This is a spiritual battle. And victory would only come by doing it God's way. And in our life, it's the same way, same thing. We often think to ourselves that we're fighting against flesh and blood. That person at work that just rubs me the wrong way. Why can't I love him? It's not about him. It's a spiritual battle. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 6. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, put on the armor of God. If we're going to have victory in life, we must do it God's way. Which does not mean that we're idle. You see, we see here, I believe, the active side of Christian warfare. Simply because this is God's battle and God has promised victory... It doesn't mean that the Israelites just sit under a tree somewhere somewhere and say, okay, God, just do it. So in other words, when we are in a position where we need to be victorious over lust, the Bible says pray. We're in a situation in which we just want to somehow break this sinful habit We don't sit idly by and say, God, do something. Read in Ephesians chapter 6. Read your Bibles. You see, yes, it is a spiritual warfare. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but that doesn't mean we're not active. No, the Bible says we need to be active. And so when we read Ephesians chapter 6, we read about things like prayer and Bible reading. Studying, meditating, these kinds of things are the weapons we need to use in spiritual warfare. But we come to point number four, and we read that Israel was victorious. They didn't use the conventional weapons. They followed God's ways in order to have victory. Go to verse 6. So, Joshua, son of Nun, he called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city, with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the, of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord, they went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, Circling at once, then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, 
and the priests, they took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, they carried the seven trumpets. They went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men, they went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So, on the second day, they marched around the city once, returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Now, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. But she did hide the spies we sent, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Now verse 20. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged in, and they took the city. Why did this work? God gave the instructions. Why did this work? Because the people trusted God and obeyed. What I find interesting, and this is often the case in life, that victory is not always immediate. Victory is not always immediate. The people had to wait a week. And according to the way I read this text, they didn't know why. Joshua was instructed that it's going to take six days and that on the seventh, the walls would collapse. It does not say in the text that Joshua told the people this is how this was going to work. It appears as though the people, the soldiers, the priests, they were told each day what to do, but weren't told what the next day might bring. So they didn't know that in seven days the walls are coming down. So imagine Joshua saying to the people, go and march around the city and do it this way. At the end of the day, they're not sure what just happened. There was no progress. They didn't see any results. You know, had I been God, God forbid, but if I, if I were God instructing Joshua, I would say, Joshua, listen, here's what we're going to do. Um, you instruct them each day, but I'm going to give them a little sign or a little bit of motivation each day. So at the end of the first day, as they're leaving the wall, they begin to hear it. They hear a little crack, and they look back, and they see, you know, this crack in the wall. Now they're anxious to come back the second day. Second day they come back, they march around the city exactly the same way. As they're leaving, the top row of bricks fall. And they begin to see some progress. They're motivated to keep on going. But I can only imagine they go home in the evening and uh, the wives of the soldiers say, how did it go, dear? Same old, same old. Nothing seems to be happening. Joshua keeps telling us, just keep going round and round and round. And we're doing it, but we don't see any progress. I'm not exactly sure why I want to go back in the morning. They must have questioned and asked themselves, how long? How long is this going to take place? Did they become discouraged? Did some of, some of them feel that, you know, they just wanted to quit? There's no reason really to persevere in this. There's no reason or purpose behind all of this madness. How often do we as Christians feel like these soldiers? 
often do we, we wait and we wait on God for something to happen. And day goes by, another day goes by, and another day goes by, and a week goes by, and a month goes by, and we don't see anything. Oh, we've been praying our hearts out, and doesn't seem to be any answers. We've been waiting for that, that new job. We've been waiting for our health to return. We've been waiting for a pay increase or our children to return to the Lord or for some kind of freedom from the grip of sin. And we bring it before God day after day and week after week. And there's just no progress. We don't see the end. They didn't see the end. They didn't know when this thing was, they didn't know how long they were going to do laps. And we don't often know how long. We just spin in circles and nothing seems to be making any progress. I read a statement and I believe it helps us to understand what I'm trying to say and what I believe was happening to the soldiers, as they're doing their laps. What God wants to do in us must come before what he wants to do for us. Let me read that again. What God wants to do in us must come before what he wants to do for us. God wants to give them victory. God wants these walls to collapse. But he's more interested in doing something in the soldiers and the priests and the Israelites who are waiting on God. God is all about developing in us trust and faith you know what the bible says in the book of hebrews it says these walls fell down because of faith it wasn't because they were great trumpeters it wasn't because they you know marched in step that's not what this was about what god was doing in these israelites was he was building and strengthening faith in the people. That's why I look at this story. And it's really not a battle with the Canaanites as much as it's a battle within the human heart of the Israelites. Listen, God's God. God could have brought those walls down with a spoken word, right? I mean, he spoke and creation came into existence. God didn't have to wait a week. It wasn't for God's sake. He could have said, Joshua, listen, tomorrow when you wake up, it'll all be rubbish. It's all done. But he didn't do that. He made the people wait. And then the victory. Why? God was doing something in them before he decided to do something for them. You see, in this waiting time, God is working. We may not see the progress. We don't see the cracks in the wall. We don't see the bricks breaking down row by row. Sometimes we do laps and we don't see anything going on. It almost appears as though God's not working, but he is working. And God is about ready to do something for you. But first, he wants to do something in you. God wants to develop in us faith. The Bible says we're to live by faith. The Bible says it is impossible to please God apart from faith. It's impossible. What God is doing in us every day is building and developing faith and developing trust, teaching us to trust Him 
You see, the people had to trust God. We don't understand it. We don't know why we're doing this, but all right, we'll do it. Because God, you said we're supposed to do it. We wait on God. And as we do, God is developing faith and trust in us. Maybe you're waiting on God for something this morning. You've been waiting, you've been praying, and you don't see the cracks in the wall. There's no bricks that are falling. There doesn't seem to be any progress. You're saying to yourself, why continue on? It's because God is doing something in you that he can't do in any other way than what you're going through right now. You see, God loves you so much, and he wants to develop faith and trust in you. Don't give up on God. You may not see the cracks or the bricks falling, but there's victory that lies ahead. Father, we thank you this morning for stories such as these stories in the Old Testament. Stories, Lord, that Paul tells us are for our learning and for our help. And Father, we thank you that you have given us stories such as these to help us understand the battles that we find ourselves in. And that, Father, we need to trust you in all things. You're a great and wonderful God, and I pray that you would continue to build us up and strengthen our faith and develop that trust in you. We'll pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymn books, please. Turn to hymn number 453. Hymn number 453. It's entitled, Encamped Along the Hills of Light. Uh, but we probably know it better uh, with the title, Faith is the Victory. Faith is the Victory. Let's stand together. We're going to sing stanzas one and two. Just one and two, and we'll be dismissed. And camped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise. Press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes. <laughs> Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory, where comes the world. Number two, this is the last, his banner over us is love, sword. <coughs> <coughs> Faith, they like a whirlwind's breath, dawn or every field. The faith by which they conquer death is still our shot. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Father, develop our faith, do what it takes, whatever that might be, develop our faith and help us to trust you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.